Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the metro region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. It's great to be together this morning, worshiping God, worshiping Jesus, and taking communion together. And uh, this morning, uh, we have a, I believe, an exciting message. You know, these are incredible times that we're living in. And wow, who would have ever guessed all the stuff that's happening in our world right now? And, uh, you know, we've been going through all these uh, changes and, of course, with the and and at the same time in prayer and concern over the the, the COVID-19 and 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 trying to hash out things and really understand where we need to grow and, and move forward in race relations. And then a lot of political stuff heating up. And as we've talked about before, we're not shying away. We're not running away. We're leaning into these discussions. We're leaning into these topics. And that's what we're doing today. So the title today is Jesus and Politics. And uh, this is one of those topics that, you know, I've been a Christian 38 years and we generally always avoid this. I mean, the one time where I was invited by the Los Angeles church to come and speak at Reality on, on politics and in the Bible. But uh, today it's Jesus and politics. And we're going to focus, uh, keeping in line with our year focus this year is G- keeping our eyes on Jesus, eyes fixed on Jesus. So uh, here we go. We're, we're launching into this. You know, it's an incredible time. As, as you know, it's because it's all over the news. It's all over our phones. It's all over everything uh, that how polarized our world is right now and how polarized our country is and how polarized so many different things are happening that um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really intense time and a time that really honestly is causing a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear, uh, a lot of worry. And uh, I think it's a time that we need God. We need Jesus. We need a clear view from Jesus uh, like never before, you know, and, and for such a time as this, the Lord is here to help us and guide us along, and we're going to study some things and some scriptures that I think will help us and talk about some concepts from the Bible that I believe will help us through this time and help us figure some things out. You know, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do, what to believe, what to think. What I am here is to tell you what the Bible says, to tell you what God says about some of these topics and share some thoughts that I think will help us in just sorting this out and getting our feet planted and being able to move forward in a healthy way. Uh, you know, there's many things out there dividing us and there's many different ways that we can be divided. Race, language, origin, ethnicity, culture, social standing, education, religion, even looks, talent, gifts, personality, interests, wealth. All these things are things that divide up people and things that we could be divided by. And there's, there's a growing tension in this. You know, I just, I got today, uh, an article from Discipleship, uh, Discipleship Magazine. It's a, it's a, it's a leadership, Christian leadership magazine, Christian discipleship magazine. And it caught my eye what it said at the beginning. It said, we are witnessing what feels like a civil war in North America. This low-grade conflict is not being fought with bullets and guns, and, and the impact is not counted by the number of wounded and the casualties in a battlefield. It's a battle fought with ideas, and those ideas are, form a worldview. A worldview is a particular 
philosophy of life or conception of the world. Our worldview dictates how we think, how we feel and act. Jesus teaches us a specific worldview and our job as disciple makers is to disciple people into Jesus' worldview. We are called to, to immerse people into Jesus. By the way, immerse means baptism, right? Immerse people into Jesus' way of thinking, believing, and feeling, and acting. Jesus' worldview guides us through money, marriage, hatred, anger, hurt, lust, and thousands of other topics. You know, I, I appreciated this because, again, it's a call back to Jesus. It's a call to get focused and be focused on Jesus because there are many worldviews swirling around from both the left and the right. And, you know, if you if you heard the lesson I gave last week on, on, on being a balanced or Jesus way, you know what I'm talking about, about from the left, from the right, there's a lot of different ideas and worldviews swirling all around us that are are separating us, are dividing us and and causing a lot of misunderstanding and and it's a, there's a need a greater need than ever before for dialogue for listening to each other for humility um for for doing things Jesus way uh the question out there that 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 is just it's affecting a lot of people it's whose side is right whose side is god on you know everybody claims to have god on their side and what about you know the Immigration issues, health insurance, refugees, Muslims, gay rights, globalization, global warming, foreign aid, terrorists, global pol policing, and I could go on and on. Um, there's just, there's so many issues out there that are dividing up people. And the fact is we all have opinions, right? We, 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 not, we're humans. We, we, we draw our own conclusions. We come up with our own opinions about things. And then probably the scariest thing is when politics and religion get mixed together. <clears throat> and people have not only their opinions, but they have a sense that God is upholding their opinions. And that gets scary. That's where it gets really scary. And the things of the, the, the issues of America have really divided our country in a lot of different ways. People want to know what's the right way. You know, what's, who's right? Who's got the truth? Who's got the, 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 the reality of what's going on. And there's a lot of different truths and a lot of narratives being thrown out there of what's happening in our world. I want to read this scripture because I think the scripture is incredibly important in a time like now. Uh, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Oh, let me tell you the background. This is, this is when they're taking the promised land, right? They're going into the promised land. Joshua has been appointed the leader. He's leading the charge, right? The battle to take the promised land. So Joshua's by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the Lord of the army of the Lord. So Joshua sees this angel and basically ask the question everybody's asking, are you for us or against us? Are you on my side or not? You know, basically the basic question, right? And he says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come and Joshua, realizing who he is, fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? 
And the commander of the Lord of the, of the armies, the, the Lord's army, said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You see, Joshua was on one level dealing with the conquest of the promised land. And he sees the angel, and of course he wants to know, are you with me or are you against me? Whose side are you on? And the angel of the Lord says, it's funny, he doesn't say I'm on your side or I'm against you. He says, no, I am the captain of the Lord. I am the leader of the Lord's army, which puts him in an entirely different category. And in fact, he says, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. He was on holy ground. That's where the angel of the Lord is. That's where he encounters God. Wherever God is, God things you're on holy ground, which means it's a whole different set of rules, a whole different paradigm. It's not the paradigm of fighting armies. It's not the paradigm of an earthly struggle. It is the heavenly realm. It is where God is. And he is above that. He is, he is holy. And that's a whole different mindset, a very important mindset for us. Joshua immediately recognized it. We're not talking about worldly things. We're talking about spiritual things. So he takes off his sandal and he worships the Lord. And I think that is the right attitude. That is the picture before us of as we approach things, we have to approach things worshipful, humble, spiritual, and understand things from a spiritual perspective. You know, here's a, here's a, a factoid. I think here's something that is important that we realize as we look at all the stuff going on out there. We have spiritual, godly, loving brothers and sisters who are Republicans, who are Democrats, who are libertarians, who are independents, who are liberals, who are conservatives, who are socialists, who are communists. And many of them we're going to get to meet in heaven, even though they come from very different parts of the spectrum on the political scale. You know, I read an article, another article, and it was a very, a very famous, a very popular religious leader. And he was talking, he's Presbyterian, and he was talking about how you know, he said, the article started out, he said, he said, I'm a card-carrying Republican, very conservative my whole life. And he talked about going to Scotland to visit. And he was sitting in, he met all these ministers and he had this wonderful time. And he said, we're all on the same page spiritually with God and with righteousness, with devotion to the scriptures, with doing God's will. And he said, then to my shock late in the evening, I found out that these group of men were all socialists. He said it rocked his world. And I think that that's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to get up there and we're going to find out. Hopefully we're up there and hopefully we get to find out that people come from all different mindsets, all different forms of thinking. Why? Because so much of this is determined by our culture, by our history, by our background, by our perception of the world. And not by scripture, not by God. So godly people will have different views. And we have to realize that. We have to accept that. That way we can be free to love each other and be the family that God wants us to be. 
And, I, I, so, you know, I was asked a while back, well, well, actually, I wasn't asked. I was told, well, there were no political issues in Jesus' day. <laughs> That's funny. There were a lot of political issues in Jesus' day. The world was just as political back then as it is today. They were, they were under Roman occupation. They were being, they, they were going through corrupt taxation, forced servitude. There were liberals. Sorry about that. Lost that. There were liberals and there were conservatives. There was racism. There was, uh, prejudice against Jew, against Jews by the Romans, prejudice against Romans by the Jews, all kinds of discrimination going on in every direction. And this is an important fact. I, I, this is, I, I, I clipped this, I, I, I copied this from an article I read. It said, there's nothing recorded in the New Testament about Jesus Christ speaking out against any of the political issues of his day. Nothing in his teaching gives even the slightest hint that he had any political involvement. He addresses human needs, spiritual and physical. And I thought a lot about that because obviously some of the issues he addressed are political, no doubt about it. You can't talk about human needs without it kind of going into the political realm. But the, but the statement is true because Jesus approached it all from the kingdom of God perspective, not from a political perspective. And he was not interested in politics, and we'll see that here in our study. Jesus called everyone to a higher standard. And he says... Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar, they replied. Then he said to them, So give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. Why were they so amazed? Because Jesus wouldn't be pulled into a political argument. He wouldn't be pulled into a political issue. It's a worldly issue. It may be an important issue. It may be an issue that affects all of us. But he wasn't going to be pulled into picking a political side. He calls it back to God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God? You know, you've probably seen this sticker all, all over. You know, a lot of people have this sticker on their car. Not of this world, right? Um, I never knew what it said at first. I thought it was not now or something. But it's not of this world. And I think it's a, a, it's a concept that's really important to remember, especially like time, in times like now, that we are not of this world. This isn't, this world is not our home, right? We're just passing through. That is a real thing. It's not just a cool song. It's not just an old classic song. It is reality. It's what we have to remember at all times. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, Ephesians 2.19. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3.20. We're not of this world. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. That's an interesting way to put it. Was everybody he's talking about exiles and foreigners? No, most people lived in their country. But as disciples of Jesus, he calls them foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I think now more than ever, it's important for us to show the difference between Christians and not being a Christian. It should be the church's finest hour where we, our unity, our love, our humility, our willingness to listen to each other, no matter our background, no matter our political affiliations, our willingness to learn from one another should shine and be a, be a great example for the world so that the world will glorify God because the world is stuck right now in debate, in battle, in fear, in anxiety. Now is the time for the church to shine and to show that we're different, that we are not of this world. We're not like everyone else. Every political party will persecute us. And we have to remember that. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, you will be hated by who? Everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. There will be people that misunderstand what we're saying. There will be people that misunderstand us. You know, the early Christians were called atheists because they would not, they would not make sacrifices to the Roman emperor. They were called, they were, they were called incestual because they married their sisters, right? Because people don't understand the culture of the church. They were called cannibals because it was said they met every week and ate the blood and the body of their leaders. There was all kinds of misunderstanding. And we have to understand that the world is not going to understand us, no matter what political party it is. There's going to be things that we line up with in a great way and then things that we don't line up with that we believe different and we will be persecuted for these things. On the right, some of our doctrine is going to be misunderstood, particularly with baptism. It has in the past. We've been persecuted in the past because of baptism. By who? By the religious right. Some of our action, our devotion to the poor will be misunderstood and called leftists. Some of our teachings of universal love, that God loves everybody, even different religions, even people from different backgrounds, that doesn't matter their gender or even their, their, you know, gay couples. God loves everybody. And that will be misunderstood and labeled as worldly or labeled as this or that from the left. Some of the biblical teachings about the LGBTQ community is going to get us in trouble because it's what the Bible says. Abortion, that we oppose abortion. We're going to get slammed for that. The secular world is not going to like this one way that where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is so contrary to popular thinking today. The exclusivity is not accepted. It's not politically correct. And even the religious world, we've already been persecuted a lot by the religious world because our stance on discipleship, that you have to be a true disciple. So we have to be careful to remember that 
Any and every political group can and will probably persecute us. We've been persecuted in the past and we will be persecuted. I believe we're going to be persecuted much more in the future because of these stances, because of these views. The world is not our friend. The world is, is who we're supposed to reach out to and teach about Jesus. We're not supposed to buy into the worldview of the world. We're supposed to teach the worldview of Jesus to the world, to have his worldview, because he is the truth and the way and the life. Jesus refused any political titles. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself, John 6. He knew they were trying to pull him into the political realm, and he refused it. He avoided it. Jesus ignored political correctness. I mean, he reaches out in Matthew chapter four, he spends a day, he, he goes to, to heal and typically in Israel, but ends up that all the Syrians who are not Jews, who are not believers in the one God come down because they hear about him healing people. And what does he do? He spends a whole day healing them and serving them. Not politically correct. Not what the Jewish leaders or religious leaders think is what's right. Jesus in the, Roman soldier in Matthew chapter 8, he holds up an Italian soldier as an example of great faith. Jesus says to the Canaanite woman, you have great faith. Again, the enemy of the religious, the good Samaritan, the, the Jesus and the Samaritan woman. I mean, he's just constantly breaking the political correctness norms of what is politically correct. He's always does what God's will is, no matter how the political world sees it or interprets it. He deals with racism and there's things that Jesus is absolutely against. He's against racism again and again. He holds up Tyre and Sidon. He holds them as cities that would have been soft-hearted and would have repented when he, when he condemns Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. He deals with prejudice, holds up Samaritans multiple times and multiple parables and situations. He, he's against abuse. He warns the people about how they're treating little ones. He's against abortion. The Bible says he talks about the angels watch over the little ones and their lives. The corruption, he goes against corruption and people turn themselves in and repent of corruption. He goes to dinner with the tax collectors. They're the models of corruption. And, and they turn around, they change like Zacchaeus. He goes against bigotry helping the, the, the lepers and the poor and the unwanted, the marginalized and the outcasts of society. He's not worried about what is PC and what do political groups want him to do. Jesus refused political divisions. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand, Matthew 12, 25. This quote is usually attributed to Abraham Lincoln. A house divided will not stand. It was Jesus who said it. But he doesn't let anything divide divide up his people. I mean, you look at his, look at the apostles, look at the guys he chose. He's got Simon a zealot. What's a zealot? A zealot was a political activist. It's, it's a, what we would call a terrorist today. Simon was a terrorist. You know, you know what they were known for? They would sneak into the temple where it's crowded and, and they'd sneak up behind Roman soldiers with their knives, their daggers, and they'd, they'd, they'd kill them. They'd stab them and then disappear in the crowd. These zealots today would be called terrorists. And then he's got, that, he's got him in his group. He's one of the apostles. And then he's got 
Matthew, the tax collector, who is somebody who works for the Romans, hurting the Jews. Imagine having those two guys in your D group. I mean, that's an extreme radical right wing, an extreme radical left wing. And yet they were brothers and loved each other. Of course, they repented of their sins in the past. And they became, they took on Jesus' worldview. They took, took on Jesus' mindset. And he brought them together. Jesus separated himself from local politics. Jesus answered, my kingdom, this is when Pontius Pilate is questioning him. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. That's very important to understand. The kingdom of God is not of this world. It is not of this realm. It has nothing to do with the politics of this world. It is the kingdom of God. And it is a far, it is holy ground. And it is far above everything happening in this world. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I'm a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Here's the, here's the key, is really seeking the truth. That's the way out. If we're seeking a philosophy, if we're seeking to be more of this group or more of that group, if we're seeking ideologies, oh, we'll find it. There's plenty out there, but it will lead us away. If we're seeking the truth, it should lead us to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It will bring us to him. You know, it's interesting. When I moved here, um, there's a question nobody asked me. You know, the, there's the classic phrase, choose you this day or choose this day whose side you're on. You know what I noticed? Nobody asked me. Nobody asked me if I was supportive of the Crips or the Bloods. I mean, this is supposed to be, this was once the South Central region, right? You would think going to South Central LA, the birthplace, the, 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 the center of Crips and Bloods, wouldn't I be forced to make a decision? Wouldn't I be forced to pick one? Of course not. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? Because I'm not here to deal with neighborhood gangs. I'm here to advance the kingdom of God. Now, is what is happening in these neighborhoods important? Absolutely, it's important. But the answer is not Crips or Bloods. The answer is the kingdom of God. It would be stupid for me to get caught up in smaller things. Most of the East Coast is divided between Yankees fans and Red Sox fans. How important is that? Well, okay, baseball season, pretty important, but not going to affect my life. Not going to affect my life. Biggest groups out there probably... Are you a Barcelona fan or are you a Madrid fan? I'm a Barcelona fan. How much does that affect my life? Not much at all. And if I made that the priority of my life, how ridiculous would that be? That doesn't mean I can't have fun supporting a side. That can't, doesn't mean I can't even have philosophies or even political ideologies. But I have to remember where they rate in the grand scheme of things. What is really important and what really matters and what is really going to provide the truth and what is really going to give me the solutions that I need 
for the problems in this world. So choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the ancestors, the ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love that. I love that. I have it on a plaque at the entrance of my house. And I think we've all made that decision. To ch- we choose to serve the Lord. Amen? Can I get an amen on that one? We all choose to serve the Lord. We have to be careful. We don't get sucked into other choices that we don't have to make because we've already chosen the Lord. He's our leader. He's our solution. He's the one that we follow. What causes my cause? Boy, is there a lot of causes out there. There's, you know, I, I always see these ribbons and I'm wondering, I wonder what cause that is. And they're all, and most of them are all good. They're good causes. They're save this animal or, or help support this cause or, or let's find the cure for cancer or so. They're good things. They're right things, that, but they are not the most important thing. What is my cause? My cause is Jesus. And again, that doesn't mean I can't support other causes, but I have to understand what's my cause. What is my one thing that I do? You know, there's, a, there's a, the, the, the word, I, I know a lot of us are struggling with anxiety and, and because there's just so much going on and there's a lot of really intense stuff happening or worry or, or we're just emotional. I mean, I, I'm feeling it. And I, my, my, Michelle and I have talked about how we just get emotionally worn out. We're emotionally exhausted. And, and from talking about all the, you know, having tough talks and, and talking through stuff and explaining stuff and, and helping people work through things and us working all through all these different things and trying to figure out what's right and keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, the word for anxiety, the root of that word is the Latin word for when they tie up a prisoner and, and they put their arms in each, in a different rope and the legs and they pull them apart. That word, anxiety, it's, it's, it's being pulled in lots of different directions. And I know we're feeling it. I know a lot of people are feeling it. We have to bring it back to there's only one thing that's really important. God, Jesus, the kingdom of God. That's our cause. The gospel, that's our cause. We have one ribbon that triumphs over all the others. And again, I'm not saying that we can't do other things. There are other things that are important to deal with, but we deal with them through the paradigm, through the lens, through the focus of Jesus. He's our Lord. Jesus was really the most radical of all. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends a rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Perfect in the Greek sense, not in the English sense, meaning fully mature. Meaning, meaning basically he's saying, grow up, grow up and mature spiritually. How do we deal with our enemies? We love them. We pray for them. We reach out to them. We greet them. We reach across the table and we listen and we care about them. That's the difference between the kingdom of God and the world. 
And that is the solution here. It is the way out. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees and hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Jesus rebuked the religious people of the day because they'd forgotten what's so central to our religion, what is so central and so important to God, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The pillars of the kingdom, that we stay focused on these things, that don't get caught up in all the other stuff. He says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What does our world need? It needs love. Live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. How many? None. Zero. Rather be of one mind. One mind. You know, I looked up this and I, I studied this sentence out. And it's literally, be, it says, be of the same opinion. Now, how in the world do you get two people of the same opinion, let alone 200 or 2,000 or 20,000 or 200,000 people to have the same opinion? The only way we can do that is if all of us line up with the same one person, that being Jesus. Then we can have the same opinion and be united in thought and purpose. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Colossians 3.14. Perfect unity. Mature unity. Immaturity. Worldliness. Allows us to be divided. Allows us to, to misunderstand, pull back, pull away from each other, to get tired and give up. Oh, I'm just, this is just too much. I, I'm so tired of these talks. I'm so tired of all this. I just want out. I'm leaving. I'm pulling away. I'm pulling. Of course, that's the easy thing to do. And, of, and I bet most all of us have felt that. I know I felt, I felt, I need a break. Time out. I'm, I'm tired. But I know I've got to keep leaning into this because it's how we're going to see this through and how the church will shine right now and how we can shine. I know it's hard and I know it's exhausting. But now it's so important. This needs to be the finest hour, our finest hour, where the church shines. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus prayed. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Do you realize how radical that is? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that is complete, perfect unity. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is all part of God's plan. And it shouldn't be a shock to us that unity is hard or that it's difficult to listen to each other or that it's difficult to to. to to reconcile different views, different worldviews. The more we focus on having Jesus' worldview, the easier that becomes. The more we realize that politics, though they may be very important sometimes, are nowhere near the level of importance of the kingdom of God or of Jesus and his will and what he calls us to. And what we're being invited to is, the, is that oneness, that special relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're being invited into that, to be part of that. It means we got to leave the things of the world behind us and focus 
on the kingdom of God, on Jesus, on his things. Jesus is awesome. He's incredible. He's the greatest leader. He's the greatest solution. You know what politics are? Politics are man's attempt to solve the problems of the world. Jesus already got it solved. We just need to follow him. He's the solution. He's the greatest power. You know, politics is, is, a, is amassing the power to make a change and make a difference. Jesus is the greatest power. Politics is an attempt to unify like-minded people and take control. Well, Jesus is the great unifier and he knows and because he's good, he's holy, he's righteous and he's truth. He's the only one that should unify everybody. He's got the greatest plan and therefore brings the greatest hope to our world, to all of us. What the world needs is not more politics, not more ideologies, not more leaders standing up saying, I know the way and I know what's true and I know what you need to all think and do. The world needs Jesus. He's the solution. He's awesome. He's our leader. He's our plan. He's our hope. He's our solution. And we've seen it again and again and again that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Long ago, Isaiah wrote, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Yeah, the government will be on his shoulders. Not the political world government, not secular government, the kingdom's government, the kingdom of God will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love this. You know, we all get to be God's workmen. We all get to be part of what God is doing in this world. And that's awesome. No matter what role we play, the fact that we get to be part of it is fantastic. But it's not up to us and it doesn't all rest on our shoulders. It rests on Jesus' shoulders. And it's not for us to accomplish it. It's for God to accomplish it. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God will do what he will do. And God's will will be done. And in the end, God wins and his kingdom reigns. That's the way it ends. And we get to be part of that. And that's awesome. We need to not get caught up in thinking that the politics of the world are the answers and the solutions. There's some things they have right and there's some things they have wrong. And we have to be, we have to understand we don't operate on that channel. We answer to a much higher calling. It's Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the light. That's what he said. And that's true for all of us. You know, I, I read this story and I'll close out with this. I read the story of a young woman and she was arrested for being a Christian and she was sentenced to death. Death in an arena to be fed to lions. And she was thrown in the arena in front of thousands of spectators. And they were amazed at how confident she was. All she had to do to get out of it was say that the emperor is Lord. She refused to do it. And the lions came out and some of them kind of attacked her a little bit, but left her. And then they tied her with another group of people. 
And again, she survived. The lions attacked her, but she survived. All she had to do was say, the emperor is Lord. All she had to do was proclaim him the answer, him the solution, him the God that saves. She refused to do it. They tortured her. They beat her. They did so many things to her. She refused. It wasn't until the third time where they left literally her body bleeding and battered. And again, they fed her to lions and finally they killed her. And actually, it took the soldiers to kill her. Why would she be so devoted to Jesus? Why wouldn't she just simply give in and say, Emperor is Lord? Because she'd already said Jesus is Lord. And she believed it with all her heart. And she was right. And we need to remember always that Jesus is Lord. And we need to be encouraged. We need to be strengthened. We need to be inspired. Because we're with the Lord. And the world, we all know it's messed up. And we all know that deep down in our hearts, we know politics isn't the answer. The kingdom of God is the answer. We don't need another political leader. We just need Jesus. That's what we need. And I'm not saying that all political leaders are bad or that all, you know, that we need to condemn anything. There are things that need to be dealt with, of course. But we need to deal with everything on holy ground. Understanding that we are not citizens of this world. We are aliens. We are strangers. We are exiles. Our home is heaven. Our nation is the holy nation. Our our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And that's what matters most to us. So let us be encouraged by that. And let us bless each other with that. And let us be a blessing to the world with that. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us by going to study.laicc.net. And we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.